Okay. So, I guess to start off, before I went to prison, uh, I was about 17, 16, 17. I was really into smoking weed and drinking with my brother. Um, that led me down a really bad road and I wound up going to prison. That's Anthony Dean. As you can imagine, his situation is not entirely unique. The United States criminal justice system holds more than 2.3 million people at any given time. What happens to people when they leave that system? Where do they turn? You're listening to Catalyst Radio, a show about second chances, sometimes third chances, and a group of nonprofits using food to change lives. I'm Emily Olson Harbick, and I work with organizations across North America through a network called Catalyst Kitchens. These programs provide hands-on culinary training to help people who are out of work and often out of luck find jobs in food service. On today's show, we'll focus on how these programs are serving people returning from prison. I mentioned that 2.3 million people are currently imprisoned in the United States. Of this number, about 650,000 people are released from prison each year and return to their communities. This process of re-entering society is also called re-entry, and it can be incredibly challenging. So uh, my name is Joseph Paul. I go by Joey. Uh, I am the intake and outreach coordinator for Fair Start's adult culinary training program. Uh, what that means is I facilitate the application and enrollment process. I spoke with Joey to learn more about these challenges and what life is actually like for folks coming out of prison. Fair Start is a Seattle-based organization that's been offering culinary training to underserved populations for over 25 years. In his work there, Joey helps to connect prisoners to the program. I think it's important to understand the historical context for a re-entry. It has been changing in Washington State. There's been a lot of focus on re-entry. But not too long ago, there was really zero services, even looking back five years ago. And before that, what was standard, despite the amount of time incarcerated, could be 20, up to 20 years or more. The only services that were provided were $50, and that, that's what they call gate money. And basically, when you released from prison, you were given $50 and, you know, basically told good luck. And you can only imagine barriers that that person is facing very often. No family support, no friends, no housing, transportation services, very often no identification. So getting something like instability it would be extremely challenging in that circumstance. In some places, people releasing from prison would have been really lucky to receive as much as $50. Some prisoners are released with only the clothes on their backs. Reentry programs vary state by state, and some states don't have much at all in place. As Joey mentioned, however, more resources are now being directed to support this transition for people. Many correctional facilities are now required to work with prisoners to develop a release plan to make sure that people know where they'll go when they're released and have some idea of what they'll do for work. For prisoners without a family or a home to speak of, their release plan often involves staying at a homeless shelter. 
Most are unsure about how they'll get a job. So that's where Fair Start comes in. You know, it's a very powerful transitional program for people releasing from prison because it's highly structured. There's housing support. There's a very um, a clear path to employment in a short amount of time. And so I think that, that those are some of the things that are most appealing and very effective, by the way, uh, when it comes to reentry. All of the job training programs we work with in Catalyst Kitchens echo the importance of providing this support and structure to help people in their first weeks of reentry. It's really important, I think, when uh, trying to set up a program like this, that you don't, um, you don't set up a program where people feel judged. So as soon as people come in to our program, they get a uniform, we call them students, they're um, part of our family. So I, I think that, that that combination of support and structure does a lot for folks. I am Jennifer Flanagan. I am the executive director and founder of Community Kitchen Pittsburgh. We are a nonprofit workforce development agency. About 70% of our clients are either currently or formerly incarcerated. Our program is really designed around people who have barriers to employment who would not otherwise be able, most likely, to get a job on their own. Um, and so we provide the um, hard skills training, of course, in the kitchen, and then we also actually have a lot of wraparound supports um, to help people because it's uh, the, the whole concept of re-entering the community from incarceration or from some of these other barriers that our clients face, it is just fraught with challenges. And so we do try to alleviate as much as of that is possible um, so that they can focus on getting a job and addressing some of the other challenges that they have as they re-enter. I spent eight and a half years in prison. That's Anthony again, the voice you heard in the beginning. With my family, I, I bounced around from family member to family member when I was younger. And in my opinion, I got tossed around like a piece of meat that nobody wanted. Nobody wanted anything to do with it. You know, it, like I had a, a giant chunk of mold right in the middle that made me a bad piece of meat. Okay, so I'm nothing to anybody. When I got here, Fairstar finally showed me that I have worth. I, I didn't know what worth was, I didn't know how to even describe it. I asked Anthony how it felt to start the Fair Start program after being in prison for eight and a half years. In prison, it's uh, standoffish, and you got to puff your chest out, make yourself look bigger than you actually are, and you know, be Mr. Hardcore, and that's how you survive. Well, when you get to Fair Start, it's something totally different. The the welcome is so big and so warm that I almost I got choked up talking to everybody and having everybody welcome me. For Anthony. That mental and emotional shift from life in prison to life back in the real world has taken some getting used to. You go from a, a hostile environment after eight and a half years, and at that point, I got institutionalized. Institutionalized is like um, you get told when you're going to go to yard, when you can go to yard. Um, you get told when you can go to the gym. You get told when you can go uh, to the library. You get told when you can go uh, to pill line to pick up your pills if you have that. You're told when you can go and do stuff. 
when I got out, I was sitting at the William Booth and people had told me that dinner and lunch are at these times and you just show up. The William Booth Center is a homeless shelter in downtown Seattle run by Salvation Army. The center provides transitional housing for a lot of students in the Fair Start program. Well, I'm sitting on my bunk at the booth and I'm, I'm waiting and I, I'm, I'm looking at my watch and I'm like, well, what's going on? You know, and a dude kind of walked by and he's like, hey, you know, they're serving. And I'm like, are, they haven't even called it. How, how what? And I, I jumped up and I took off and about halfway there, I realized that, hey, I'm not in prison anymore. I don't have to wait for that dinner bell or I don't have to wait for somebody to say, hey, or the intercom to go off and say, hey, you can go out to yard. That was when it dawned on me that, hey, I was actually institutionalized. They, they institutionalized me after eight and a half years. People usually like to say that, you know, after 10 years you're institutionalized, but no, I'm sorry, I got, I hit it at eight years, eight and a half, whatever. Somewhere along there, I switched my, my mind was, okay, I can't go and do anything until I hear that bell. Once I hear that bell, yeah, I'm good, I can go. And I, I just, I never heard it, so I, didn't, I wasn't eating. For like the first week and week or two, I, I wouldn't eat because I didn't hear that bell unless I was at Fair Start when they're like, okay, lunchtime. Then I would go eat, and that was really my only meal. It's not hard to understand how this happens to people. In recent years, there have been a number of studies done into the psychological effects that prison has, the habits of thinking and behavioral patterns it reinforces. As Anthony describes it, he was institutionalized by his eight and a half years in prison. Many people in reentry find that the social behaviors they adopted to survive in prison do not serve them well in the real world. If you're viewed as vulnerable or weak in, in the uh, inmate population, that's what you're going to be treated as. So if you're viewed as weak, someone's going to come over and you know bully you, take your stuff, um, call you all sorts of names, downgrade you, and then after that, they, one person sees that and 50 other people know that. Now 50 other and the whole prison population knows how you are and then start treating you like that. At that point, you're at the bottom of the food chain and you get taken advantage of any which way you can, they can. And that's for anything. That's for a store, that's for um, your day-to-day -day life, that's um, even sexual. You know, People will be taken advantage of sexually and that's something that nobody wants. So in order to protect yourself, you have to get rid of the fight or flight uh, and just use fight. There, there's no flight. Going through Fair Start, it actually helped me kind of change that thought process. From providing housing to creating a safe atmosphere where people don't feel required to fight for respect or protection, Fair Start and other programs like it work hard to support people in transition. At the end of the day, though, the primary mission of these organizations is to make sure that people leave their programs on a path to steady employment. Employment helps people buy into social norms. Joey from Fair Start explains why he sees employment as the solution. Employment can be social rehabilitation 
for a lot of people. So it's more than income. When we're working, we learn a lot about life. We learn relationships, how interpersonal skills, mature maturity, we grow up, we learn how to make responsible de decisions. And we learn how to really be, be a part of a team, work with others, you know, how to how do we navigate things when we're upset at somebody? So many different uh, people learn naturally in a work setting um, are skills that uh, many people who have been incarcerated for an extensive time don't have. You know, so I really think that employment for people is kind of a rite of passage or transition um, in back into society. In Pittsburgh, Jen feels almost a moral responsibility to help people in reentry find employment. I asked her why she thought it was important to serve this population. You know, it's funny, it's, it's, it's um, when people ask me that question, I, it almost feels like it's the kind of question of like, why is the sky blue? I cannot imagine not doing this. Um, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, pe people get, people get pigeonholed into, um, you know, people hear the word ex-felon and they have a particular thought about what that person is or who that person is. And if you just change that, that, that name to student, it completely changes what people are thinking about that person. And I think that it is just, it's a good investment. I mean, here in Allegheny County, the cost of arresting someone and keeping them in jail for a year is about $45,000. So you just, you know, on a simple math alone, if we can avert some of those folks from going back into jail or prison and get them into into employment and contributing um, to the community in many different ways. It, it has a ripple effect. I mean, it's a, it's a savings to the taxpayer, sure, but it also has a ripple effect on those people's children and their other family members, the community at large, right? It's just, it's such an amazing investment and it's got such a high return on that investment. I can't imagine not doing that, right? It just, it doesn't make any sense to me to not make that investment. Recidivism is a huge problem in the United States. Studies show that within five years of release, about three quarters of released prisoners were rearrested. That's 75% of prisoners returning to prison within five years. And of that number, almost 90% of people were unemployed at the time they were rearrested. I can't imagine not providing job training to folks that are returning to the community because you know, the, the other option is to lock them up. And if you lock them out of employment, it, you're just going to see them return to crime. There are many industries that do lock this population out. Due to strict hiring policies, many jobs will never be attainable for someone with a criminal conviction. What we find then is that poverty often leads to prison, but at the same time, prison reinforces poverty. It's an undeniable cycle. Just trying to get a job after prison and having a criminal record, that my dad went to prison and he was lucky because he already had a trade. He was, he was a handyman and they really don't care about background checks. I think one thing that really did help to get that job is that I mentioned that I was in Fair Start. Fair Start isn't necessarily like, oh, you're guaranteed a job. It's if you drop the name, you're guaranteed to get at least an ear of somebody to listen because, hey, that's Fair Start. That's actually a really good program. 
Food service has historically been one of the most accessible industries for people with criminal convictions. Something I haven't mentioned yet is that the culinary training programs we work with also run their own food service businesses. This helps not only to bring in revenue for their nonprofit, but it means that students are trained in real working kitchens. We serve um, about 2,000 meals a day to um, area schools, and then we serve, uh, we also serve shelter meals, and um, we have a catering line and a retail line, and all of those meals are, of course, used um, for on the job applied uh, training for our clients that we serve. And I think that that exposing them to um, kind of a rigorous, structured kitchen that is, that is, it's not like work, it is work in many ways. Um, it, it really prepares them for what they're going to get on the outside. Um, you know, once they leave us and go work in another kitchen, it's not like they've been sitting in a classroom and they're suddenly, you know, blown away by how much work it is in a kitchen. Um, they, they know by the time they leave us. Most of the culinary training programs we work with are about 16 weeks long. Compare that to a two-year associate's degree or a more formal apprenticeship, and completing a program like this is a very attainable goal for people. And it works. We always say that if you complete our program and you want a job, you will get a job. I mean, our, our placement rate is about, um, cumulatively since we started, it's about 95% right now. This, this fiscal year, we're at 100% placement for our graduates. So it's really, you know, that's what we always say. If, if you graduate and you don't have a job, it's because you've decided that you don't want one. Anthony describes what it was like to work with the chefs in the Fair Start program. Every chef has their own way of doing things. Whatever it is, you can give 50 chefs one recipe, and each chef is going to have a different way of doing it. If you're under multiple chefs, you have to learn how to be flexible and actually normalize yourself with that chef. Conform. That's the word I was looking for. Conform. You have to conform to that chef's way of doing things. Conform, flex, adapt. These are social skills that come naturally to most successful people. Yet we know that they are extremely challenging for people in reentry to truly master. Anyone who's worked in food service will tell you, kitchens can be stressful, messy, hot environments. If you can learn to get along with people in a kitchen, it's a pretty safe bet you'll have improved your people skills overall. This is why so many organizations have decided to focus on culinary training, and part of the reason why it's worked so well for the reentry population. Another piece of this comes down to the sheer power of food. Cooking for people can be extremely rewarding, particularly if you've never been given many opportunities to provide for people and give back. When I got the chance to do it, I did orange glazed cinnamon rolls. They were Ooh. amazing. Uh, when I was baking I think I remember them, those, actually. Then, yeah, you yeah. probably do. Um, yeah. But when I was baking them, the people on the fourth floor, one guy came down, and I sat across from him, and I ate, and I was like, all right, well, have a good day. And I got up, and he's like, what, you're going to leave before I even try your cinnamon roll? And I was like, oh, no, you know what else? Okay, I'll sit. I'll, you know, find out what you think of it. And he's takes his little butter knife and fork, and I'm like, okay, sure, you know, it's not really how you're supposed to eat a cinnamon roll, but all right, I'll, I'll give you that. He cuts himself a little piece and tries it, and I'm like, so? And he's like, that's, that's really good, you know? It's really surprising, because everybody up on the fourth floor could smell them, so oh, we were yeah. kind of happy. 
And I was like, that's awesome. That's cool. I like that. I still remember it to this day because it kind of hit home and it, it makes me really proud that he said uh, his mom used to make orange glazed cinnamon rolls all the time, but they never tasted like mine. And if, wow. I can, if I can beat somebody's mom and something that he remembers, I think that speaks enough for itself. That's our show for today. To learn more about programs like Fair Start and Community Kitchen Pittsburgh, visit catalystkitchens.org. There are now over 50 organizations all around the country engaged in this network and they all provide culinary training to people in their communities. Want to get involved? Our website can tell you if there's a Catalyst Kitchens program near you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Catalyst Radio. If you're interested in learning more, stay tuned for future episodes.